Hello, all, and welcome to another episode of Companions of the Perception Check. This week, we are doing a segment we entitle Race Card, in which we explore the different aspects of the D&D races. This week, we'll be, we will be covering one of my favorites, the Tiefling. Tonight, I am joined by... Seth Colgrove. Kevin Lattiff. Megan Lattiff. And we'd like to welcome Megan into the show as she's been on air for the first time tonight. Yay. Yay. Word. <laughs> I think uh, kind of to start it out in, in the D&D universe what is a tiefling? Well a tiefling is sort of a watered down um, fiendish creature fiend and mortal mixed blood but because of some things they've hinted in, uh, in popular media such as something Nishka says in Neverwinter Night 2 the computer game um, generally a tiefling is a again watered down descendant of fiends usually one sixteenth fiend or less uh, that for me begs what? the question that, that for me begs the question are they f- essentially fiendish up until that point um, usually there's some sort of a half fiend variety such as an alu fiend a, or most commonly a campion, such as uh, Lorcan from uh, from the Brimstone Angels series. If he interbred with mortals a few generations away, his children would be evil. Now what if we get the relationship going between Lorcan and, and Havi. What did we get then? I don't think he's Havi's type, but <laughs> but uh, or fairy. I, I would say would probably, probably I would probably take take it would it would happen, but it'd take longer longer to dilute down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, a court. If we look at things like. Uh, Ephron and Dahlia and uh, and Hersko Alany in the um, in the Gontolgrim series. Uh, any child of a tiefling and a non-tiefling is a tiefling. Basically, tiefling and human. The child is still a tiefling. Do they... I'm not sure why just being DNA must be dominant or something. Well, are there are there non-human tieflings? Uh, there's a few. Um, it's listed below, but there's one specific to Dwergar, which are the Dwerthigans. There are the Feyri, which are a gold elf exclusive version. Uh, depending on what generation you're, like, which, uh, Addition you're on, Tamaruks are sort of an orc only version. And then, if you really think about it, you kind of have lizard kings and lizard queens among lizard folk. 
Well, in all fairness, we we don't we don't discriminate when we come to our slaughtering our cannon fodder in our games. Yeah, I think I think at this point the demon blooded uh, lizard kings don't even have to like persuade or bully the lizard folk to join them anymore. They just hold up a picture of our party. <laughs> you want to kill this? Follow me. Time for revenge. I, think I really that you... love that I keep getting drugged down on this whole lizard folk thing. I wasn't even in the group then. <laughs> I wasn't Somehow there they're, they're after me. I had to talk them off the ledge that time. No, there was no talking off yeah. the ledge. It sounds like you did <laughs> it was a fine job. Done. I think there was they one little like... survivor, wasn't there? There, there were like half of them. They almost killed you though because I gave them poison darts in their blowguns instead of regular darts. I didn't realize it would change the battle plan that much. You always have fair. to leave one survivor. I mean, so they can tell the others. Well, basically, um, basically, Bront had made it so um, had become so violent. We were like two seconds away from making lizard egg, lizard folk egg omelet. <laughs> Brunt, I think, was our Anastasia for... Brunt, for Brunt went chaotic mean pretty quick. Yeah. Um, Is this food? <laughs> no, it was food. <laughs> there was no question on that. Um, <laughs> uh, and even... But returning to the TV, even the basic tiefling can be applied to any race, just usually it's assumed to be human. I guess because humans will screw anything, as Chris Perkins would say. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the whole goal in getting to space, to find different life forms. To <laughs> <laughs> Captain Kirk it up. The Captain Kirk plan. Exactly. Yeah, but the way you're talking now, even the tieflings are kind of the, the Shatners of, of D&D, if they're getting it on with orcs and dwergars and such. I'm pretty sure that's just dread. Oh, no, no, it's more like uh, it's more like if a uh, if a demon breeds with a gold elf, it goes down to being sort of a uh, one of these a re. It's not like a tiefling breeds with a gold elf. Okay, produces the, the, one of the fairy. Our our fairy anyway. as snobbish and elitist as regular gold elves. Or more so. Uh, the whole breeding. Well, they actually—they're one of the few, um, few sort of offshoots of demon-blooded creatures that did it intentionally, mm-hmm. and they did it basically because it, they wanted to get more power and conquer everything. I like that this is just turning into tiefling husbandry. <laughs> tiefling husbandry 101. Yeah. <laughs> What's your ultimate plan here? Oh, you need this type of tiefling. <laughs> so, like, so not going for what's coming out. The white dragon. <laughs> what? I was saying. So, how did tieflings come about? What is the the history behind the tiefling? Like in the uh, in the game edition. Sure. Is that what you mean? Yeah. We have their backstory. Um, in the game editions, I don't think they were really a thing in first or second edition, because. Um, I mean, a second edition especially was right in the middle of the satanic panic. Uh, the anti, yeah. Um, and at that time, That's in the second edition, it. they even changed things 
Pharisees, they didn't have demons, um, uh, demons and devils anymore. They had Ugaloth, Tanari, uh, and Vatazu, which still have a role in the game more, but not in the same sense. Um, but I think that might have been where the uh, Feyre came from because of the combination of the name. <clears throat> because Feyre is spelled F-A-E apostrophe R-I and Tanari is T-A-N-A-R apostrophe R-I. Oh, that makes sense. And um, yeah, and the last Mythal book seems to talk about some of that, but I'm not sure when they were written. What about uh, third 3.5 edition. Third edition tiefling sort of became a thing. Um, they were a popular race. They became a popular race, but um, they they weren't really mainstream. They were sort of tucked away in the in the corners of the realms. They were made a race that had a had a place there, but they weren't. A major race. They weren't a core rule book race. They weren't a race that had a whole lot of support. They were, but they were sort of introduced for the first time there as something players could play. But it wasn't. It wasn't like elves or dwarves or any of that. So they, they weren't put in as a a core core fantasy yeah, and race. They, Right, and in places like Eberron and Dragonlance and stuff, they you might find isolated ones, but they weren't. Their place in the world was never really explained. Yeah, that that is true. I did read a um, the second uh, Draconic Prophecies book introduced the concept, and it was a it was made kind of in passing. Of what this, what the what the main the big antagonist of the world was, and it said some scholar had coined the term tiefling, but outside yep. of that, that was it. Speaking of, speaking of the term, it's uh, the name tiefling is actually a mistranslation. Really? Um, yeah. Well, it's actually derived from German. Um. And what the people were going for was deviling, which would mm -hmm. actually be teufel, T-E-U-F-L-I-N-G. But however, uh, without really, you know, doing their homework, they did T-I-E-F-O-I-N-G, which actually more translates more closely to deepling. Hmm. That is interesting. See, kids, this is what happens when you skip out on those vowel lessons for your foreign language. Yeah. I will add that graphic into this podcast. Magically add it to the audio. Fourth edition, uh, when they created the Points of Light campaign setting, they sort of wanted to create a series of... Uh, of fallen empires and to accompany the new race, the Dragonborn which also existed in 3.5 but not nearly in the same way 
they allowed a tiefling empire ruled mostly by devils called Baal Turath in the setting. Also, for the first time, tieflings were a foray, and they also, at the same time, warlock, a class tieflings excelled in, became a four class for the first time as well. And a friend of mine said, it seems like they were deliberately trying to piss off the Christians at this point. <laughs> well, they, they, they made it through the satanic panic. and Yeah. Really? When did that end? I think officially, quote officially, is like 92 when it ended. Not in southern Ohio. <laughs> okay, so, so nationwide... I guess it's like I guess our to bring to bring back the lizard folk. It's like us that we're finished actively hunting the lizard folk, but if we come across a small group of them, they're cannon fodder. Even if why does cool. this always? Why does every analogy always end in genocide? <laughs> Right? I can I can bring it back to we use grease and set it on fire. That's still genocide. It's just served up a little different. <laughs> I think that that's all that's all we're good at. Zach, you said your 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 next campaign. I told you to prepare your next campaign because you said you're gonna try have us try and role play more, figure out things, and go from there. Like. We're just gonna set it on fire, <laughs> or drop a drop a giant rock from five hundred feet. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Come in peace, shoot to kill. Yes, <laughs> although we might drop that come in peace part. <laughs> hey, last time I tried to be nice. I tried to just scare them, but they weren't having it. No. Well, um, in in fourth, did they? In 4th edition, did they, at least in... I know they created a large portion for tieflings and points of light, but did they do anything to increase the, I guess, the presence or the storylines for tieflings in the Forgotten Realms? Uh, all the... In all the world, um, tieflings had a strong... Um, a much stronger presence. They were still rare, but they mm -hmm. were... Like, like, mostly they were sort of just to the side if you did something in Eberron. In, uh, in Eberron in 4th edition, I think they added a new dragon-marked house that was primarily tiefling. Uh-huh. And, and they sort of explained them into that world, and they also at the same time brought the dragonborn and made them a coherent race in that setting, too. Um, and they also sort of had um, they had big uh, big more expansions for them. They even had the Player's Handbook Heroes book which were books dedicated entirely to a single race. Tieflings got one. Ah. Dragonborn were the only ones that, al that also got one before they decided to go on and not do that anymore. All right, well, that, that does bring us kind of up to present-day 5th edition. 
I know they're the tieflings are a core core race in the player's handbook, along with Dragonborn. Yeah, but they are considered the yeah they're considered though the reason they're in their they're in sort of the chapter after the big four races because they're less common but still significant. Their roles in the other um, settings have more or less remained the same except for in the Forgotten Realms, the Sundering sort of undid what um, what happened to them when 4th edition came on. Because in 4th edition Forgotten Realms, all because of tieflings being distinctly devilish, they basically made them all connected to Asmodeus through a uh, through sort of a ritual. Um, it's a big part of the Brimstone Angel story, and the Sundering kind of reverses that. So basically, it was forgotten. Thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, that that is, I guess that that brings us to present day and I know yeah and, and I know Megan Megan plays a tiefling yeah play dread yep who's terribly fun she's been one of my favorite characters <laughs> it's just something about being chaotic mean that's very freeing <laughs> yeah So, from a world-building standpoint, Zach, what? How, how do you how do you construct a game around tiefling players? Well, for a few things, one, the world doesn't like you. Um, they don't trust you. Um, there's not enough of you for people to really know that you're not any more predisposed to evil than anyone else. Generally, only evil groups really open, really welcome you with open arms. And in uh, generally, tieflings tend to live in cities um, because there they have some anonymity, and generally people tend to be a little more, a little more worldly. In a small town, if a long string of bad things start happening, you'll be run out of town if you're lucky. All right, so 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 crowd surfing at a at a concert. What is that going to get you if it destroys part of the city? Did I destroy part of the city? No, there was a. But you're the only tiefling. You 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 and Hope were the only tieflings there, and a couple of buildings got destroyed. Hope was not there, (laughs) and as the person who threw the the concert, I'm pretty sure I got blamed for that. Yeah. But and as for as a player, you can kind of as a player, you can kind of approach how the world thinks of you in a few different ways. You can deny it and sort of fight against the stereotype. You can or you can embrace it. Um 
can sort of go down the dark side, or you can even sort of mockingly embrace it. Like at one point in one of the Brimstone Angels books, I can't remember, but like someone freaked out when they're seeing Havi on a battlefield. Then she does this whole like I'm some sort of devil act to taunt him. I think it's early on in the series, but Abby, I'd say, is more sort of a... Barry is, I think, more sort of a deny thing. Abby kind of is, too, but in a way she sort of mockingly embraces it sometimes. So, uh, basically, you can do that in a book, and it works out fine, but when you try to do it in real life, you have an attitude problem. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how Dred's coming about this. If it's mocking or she just goes around with her middle fingers up to the world. I was going to say, that kind of describes Hope and Dread entirely, because one is denying their nature and the other one's just embracing it. As Dread sets fire to stuff, Hope's like, oh no, fire brigade, put it out, put it out. <laughs> so who just ran off? Um, I think she said her name was Hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, based on how Kim talks about that, I don't think we've heard the last of uh, her being upset about you using her name. <laughs> I didn't use her name. The narrator said I used her name. <laughs> no telling what you do when you're drunk. <laughs> My wisdom went even further down in points or <laughs> intelligence. Oh yes, I forgot you have a wisdom of nine. <laughs> <laughs> she did before the brain cells died. Uh, and as for uh, uh, stacks, tieflings, uh, because of their high charisma, and at least for the base ones, which are generally called infernal, um, they make exceptional bards, warlocks, sorcerers, and they make decent wizards. Um, and because of their ability to throw darkness at level 5, they can actually make uh, pretty good rogues, too, despite not really having the stats for it. Not including masterminds and swashbucklers, which use a lot of charisma. Well, is it... But oh. What? Is it what? Uh, are there... Is there just one kind of tiefling? Or are there multiple? There are several. I mean, the, there's only one in the player's handbook, but there are other kinds listed in uh, Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Infernal is the basic uh, charisma intelligence boost. Um, resistance to fire and some basic spells. Uh, hellish rebuke, I believe, thaumaturgy, and darkness. Yep. You also can throw any or several of other options available in Sword Coast Adventures Guide. There's uh, feral tieflings, which get a bonus to dexterity rather than intelligence. I believe that's what dread is. 
I'm going to say she's infernal because I have hellish rebuke. Well, they still get the same spells, just an alternate uh, ability increase. I think you guys I, both said you were going to be I, feral because you wanted the dexterity more than the intelligence. Well, I think Kim and I are, are separate. One of us is infernal, one of us is feral. Okay. With There's her also. Yes. Yeah. Then there's the, uh, you can have wings, which, uh, you can fly with them, and unlike the Aarakocra, the other flying race at this time, um, you can actually fly with heavy armor on, uh, but you get no spells. And then there's something, I don't remember the exact title, Devil Tongue, or something like that, and instead of instead of the thaumaturgy, hellish rebuke, and darkness, you get vicious mockery. Can't remember another one, and then you get, or maybe it's cutting words, and then you get um, charm person, I believe. Dang, if you had chosen that with Cess Bard, we'd just be killing people left and right with your Cutting words. <laughs> yeah, cutting words is just fantastic. I just like cut, hearing Varys cut down enemies with, like, your mama jokes. <laughs> <laughs> words can hurt, man. Words are hurt. I once compared a small character to someone's giblets. That's... <laughs> <laughs> And also there's an experimental one they had a, about a year and a half ago in Unearthed Arcana that I would just love to play for the fun of it. It's, uh, it's called an Abyssal Tiefling, which are distinctly demonic. And their, their damage type resistance and basic spells they get change every time they take a rest and are rolled randomly. That's right up Sax Alley, since he rolls randomly. Yeah. So what is the difference? Because I thought they were all demonic. What What is the difference between a tiefling and an abyssal tiefling? Oh, abyssal tief... Well, tieflings in general um, can be any sort of theme, but it was just statting something that had more of an uh, taint specifically from demons, because... Demons are not the only type of fiend. In fact, they're one of many types. Like, devils and demons are in no way alike. Fiendishly different, even? Fiendishly Fiend clever, man. Fiendishly <laughs> clever. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Seth writes that it's like, I'm gonna need to use that in-game. <laughs> hey, you have no idea how many of my jokes I write during these things. <laughs> if there's a market for D&D stand-up, I'm working on it. <laughs> Maybe at the next PAX, there'll be an open mic night. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, let's see. I knew a tiefling with horns so long... <laughs> How long were they? Darn, not through with that yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> you said enough. I was trying to let you knock it down. The correct answer is so long I, I can still feel them. For so long, even the even the DM could easily win a ring toss. <laughs> uh, man can't phrase it right. Okay, well, <laughs> I'll go back to it some other time. But we had the Valentine's Day tiefling episode. Okay. Oh, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> um. Okay. Move on. Move on. Okay. okay. Uh, Megan, what's your experience been like playing with a tiefling? I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I think... When I first started playing, I, I ended up being this, um, not, but playing D&D, starting out with the Genasi, and end up trying to be ultra good, and as, as we keep playing different uh, iterations and additions, it, I, I've slowly embraced the, the dark side, so um, I, I'm liking... I guess just the whole demonic pirate and just the whole conglomeration that is dread so that you get this um, whole The rich mixture. tapestry that is dread. Yes, the rich tapestry that is dread that she's a very uh, to me it has more depth and is easier to play than, than some of the other characters I've done. She's got a better yep. backstory. Now, Tieflings outside of the, I guess the in-game books, uh, in the novels, in the, I guess supplementary material that way, in in the the fiction. Yeah. Are they always? I mean, are they always? Always evil, good. As I, um, I know, I mentioned actually, in the passing for, for Eberron, they were, the one that was briefly yeah. mentioned in the book was was evil. Yeah, you generally sort of get a mixed bag. Uh, the players playing the good tiefling in spite of it all was kind of a popular... I mean, it became popular to the point of cliche, even though tiefling tended toward evil alignment according to the book. That's still true, though, because they... But it's more because of the lives they live up, not being predisposed to it. Um, but, of course, there's, a, there's, of course, these series that features tieflings as the main heroes. There is Brimstone Angel, which uh, Megan is also reading. Yeah. To the I could go series. on for two hours about it, so you probably should say most of it. <laughs> Um, well, I'm just... I'm what's about, your impression? What's your impression? So, was, like, what's I'm, your general impression of the way tieflings are depicted and fairy and happy? As far as fairy and happy go, I would... Um, oh, gosh. I think sometimes from at least, like, the villagers' perspective or, or you know, those in the book, the passers-by, they're kind of the anti-hero where they, they just kind of see a tiefling and expect evil and it, it is the that fairy heavy that we were talking about one is in denial the other is is mocking so to speak and uh 
just the the whole demographics of the two tieflings playing off of each other in their sisterly bond, but yeah. also trying to find their way in the world as they go from teenager to adult. One thing I've also noticed, I actually mentioned this to uh, to some friends on another site. Uh, sometimes I think there's actually something allegorical about those books. Um, I actually kind of compare because uh, compare um, what being a tiefling is like in the realms, according to those books, to what being black is like in some uh, in some parts of in historical areas of uh, of American society. Some of the same, I mean, non magically speaking, some of the same threats, same prejudices, same threats of violence, uh, some of the same types of violence, even. But yeah, those those are good. Uh, uh, one I I forgot to put on that list though, even though I love him, is Efron, the warlock from uh, the Grizz book. He's a relatively recent addition to the cast, but in the in the first book of the Dawn of Rim series. You hear Dahlia, who's a moon elf, was raised by a tiefling warlord named Hersko Alley, who's basically the big bad guy of the entire, basically that entire book series. To get even with him, once she has his kid, she throws the kid off a cliff right in front of him. And then later in the series, you actually come across this tiefling who's got like one horribly broken arm and leg, who he's has this psychotic. <laughs> yeah, he's got like this psychotic freaking hatred of Dahlia. And, and the thing is, even though I kind, even though you know it, the way these, the way that Salvatore set it up. When they had the reveal, I was surprised anyway. Like, when you get to why he hates her so incredibly much. Yet he winds up being one of the good guys eventually, but... Basically because he does reconcile with her at one point, but... Uh, then there's uh, Sarth from the Blade of the Moon Sea series. It doesn't really discuss a lot about what being a tiefling is like for him. You get the fact that people don't trust him, but after he does a lot to save uh, the major town this story is all about in the first book, he's pretty much trusted. He kind of has the but he's also super wealthy, so that might be part of it. <laughs> but they do have some of the some of the weird looks people give him. How it's very hard to read his facial expressions because they're odd. 
So do all tieflings have the odd, what? um, ha have no pupil, and, because that's mentioned in Brimstone Angels a lot, that Fairy and Havy don't have a pupil. Most of them, some of them might have, but all of their eyes are kind of weird, but yeah. And most of them have prominent canines, if, and, you know, another number of other features. Okay. Uh... Then you have Mad the Mind Mage from the Erebus Kale book. I honestly haven't read enough of them to know a lot about him. But, uh, but he's a psychic who sort of fights alongside the heroes in that one. He's rare among the, um, among tieflings, though, which I don't think he was originally. I think he was actually turned into one. I don't, again, I don't know the series that well. But, uh, but because of their stack and what psychic classes traditionally need, people also make good psychic class. But I don't, I don't really know a lot about him. And then there is the one-off character, Glory. The purple-haired tiefling from Venom in Her Veins. A tobacco-chewing, mischievous, always making herself invisible. Well, not really invisible again, just kind of instantly forgotten. Character who is kind of, I mean, she's young-ish, but in a way she's kind of got this dirty middle-aged lady vibe thing going on. She's like so this she's tobacco... Yeah, kind of, yeah. Uh, and she's helping this uh, group of nobles harvest drugs, which they sell back in the city she, she works in. Um, basically keeps the workers, allows them to get, get the place and get the... Um, get the flowers and stuff they need to make the drugs, but then, uh, but then basically makes it so it's impossible for them to remember how to get back. Like, get back there if they were going to try to show someone else where it is. What about, um, I remember, I, I read the Abl Abyssal Plague series, and they had Tempest, a, a, um, yeah. tiefling there. Yeah. What I loved about Tempest I mean, they had a, they have another one in that book too. I think, but well, no, not the Abyssal Plague. There's another Point of Light book with a tiefling that's really forgettable. But Tempest, what they really have going with her that I like is the basic um, races that normally don't get along getting along thing. Uh, again, with the hatred between what's left of the tieflings and what's left of the um, what's left of the Dragonborn. It's notable that the first person she turned to, because she's sort of traumatized from having been possessed at, in a book before the Abyssal Plague really starts, um, the person she turns to is actually a dragonborn who's, who's basically a very close platonic friend with her. So I recall he was a, a paladin of Bahamut. It seems in a lot of books they pair a tiefling and a dragonborn together. It's the same thing with Fairy and Havy and their dragonborn dad. 
Yeah. Did you use air quotes? It felt like the way you said it, you used air quotes. <laughs> He's a fox. Because uh. I was trying and to decide only... whether to call him or what to call him. <laughs> she, she, she actually tried to decide if she was going to use the air quotes or not. <laughs> yeah, she, she... and as things going in that story, she, they might have to say original foster father. And not foster father number two. Spoilers. Hey, they hint about it in the first book. You just gotta be really careful to notice. Well, you should know me, and I'm not that careful to notice. <laughs> I'm three books in already. I got too much going on trying to keep the storyline straight. She's three books in and like, wait, hold on, wait, they're, they're tieflings? <laughs> I still can't keep their names straight, as you noticed from the beginning. <laughs> they well, they are twins. Except for one eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the only one I can think of from a video game is, which was actually my first encounter with a tiefling character, was uh, Nishka from Neverwinter Nights 2. You find her basically being hauled off by some basically thugs after she tries to steal from her from them and the invisibility potion she got wore off early and she can be the rogue in the party she's not a very good fighter but she's also really good at disarming traps and opening stuff so you gotta kind of keep her with you uh-huh um and also she is one of the romanceable NPCs Romanceable NPCs. Those are the best yes. NPCs. Also going to happen for for. <laughs> um. I actually didn't really like her that much, to be honest. But. Um. Yeah. I think. Like all of them. Yeah, I think that's all of them. Uh, any closing thoughts on Tiefling, Zach, or do you want to save that for the February 14th one? Uh, well, I think they're a definite uh, interesting role-playing experience. And I... And they also are just fun statistically to play with being one of the races that has basic spells. Mm-hmm. Um, like basic spells that they kind of learn regardless of class. But they're probably my favorite race. Well, maybe them are lizard folk. I prefer to date them as opposed to lizard folk. But <laughs> but yeah, they're they're just a fun fun race. And and if you want to be a devilishly rakish character be a tiefling bard. <laughs> I don't know. I'm enjoying my bad reputation that I get with with uh, my swashbuckling rogue tiefling. Walk in. <laughs> this is mine now. <laughs> yeah, because you have the bad reputation. Yes. I can yeah, do actually, my, like, what is it, minor misdemeanors essentially and not be reported to the authorities 
Yeah, and also Moir Sig's gonna get awkward because if you try to use that new ability, you get at level nine. You get a non-magical charm ability. Oh yes, I get to to flirt and, and enthrall or whatever. Oh dear God, you haven't yeah. had that already. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be just ridiculously good looking and <laughs> Well you have a charisma of like eighteen or twenty now, don't you? Or something I do. crazy. <laughs> I do. I'm pretty sure spanning my entire life of D and D, uh this is the most charismatic group of characters that we I've ever played with in one group. <laughs> well yeah, because almost all the classes require it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sorcerer, bard, um, rogues normally don't need it, but because she's a swashbuckler, a lot of her secondary abilities need it, so. But she wants to be a pirate. <laughs> See, it could have been, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean, or we could have gone, like, Neverland Pirates and been ultra good. <laughs> And you just went chaotic me. And then I just went chaotic me. <laughs> so you went actual yeah. pirate. <laughs> I went actual pirate. Well, I think that's what we everything we've got for this evening. Yep. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you think we got anything wrong, let us know. And we'll be glad to hear stuff about it on uh, on our website uh, companionsofperception.net We also have columns there if you'd like to uh, like to read them. And we will see you all next time on Companions of the Perception Check. I would like to thank all of our guests, as well as bensound.com for our music, Extreme Action. You can find them at bensound.com, as well as visit us at companionsofperception.net.